0: Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are a Jesus community telling the biggest story of God in Los Angeles. We're excited that you're joining the conversation with us today. Enjoy. And so right now you're gonna break out into your groups, uh, into conversation time. You can go ahead and click the link there. Uh, that will break you out into Zoom groups with three or four or five other people. This is a great opportunity uh, to share your story, to connect with other people, or just to simply listen. And the question for us to get started with today is... What do you see for yourself three months from now and a year from now? What do you see for yourself three months from now and a year from now like question in joy? Can I believe... Every human being is on a journey, and a journey is not just an idea or a set of beliefs that we have in our head, but a journey is something that we actually have to embark on, that there's actual physical steps that we need to take to go somewhere. And today, as we think about journey, as we continue in the book of Genesis, we're going to cover six whole verses, my friends. I know. Let's go. We're uh, really making killer pace on this thing. We'll be to verse nine by the end of the day. In 2023, we're really going to wrap this baby up. It's going to be good. Uh, That we are going to be thinking about this bigger idea of a vision for your life. If I was writing a book for you all today, uh, the book would say something like this, a vision for your life, living into the now and the not yet. Uh, It would be very self-help, I'm sure, Uh, but... I actually don't think that's how the ancient world would see it. I think that the ancient world would have a different view of what it actually means to live into a vision for your life. And so if we're going to live into that big idea of having a vision for your life, we got to talk about some things. We're going to talk about layers. And if we can understand the layers that are going on, then we can think about a promised land. Not a promised land like someone would have been looking for 3,500 years ago, but what is the vision and the promises that we're looking for Today. If we can understand a promised land, then we can think about now and not yet, that we need to live both into the present and to the future all at the same time. And if we can do that, then we can talk about a clarity of vision for our lives. And if we can have a clarity of vision for our lives, then, my friends, it is never too late. And if we can understand that it's never too late, then we'll look at the life of one of the most inspiring people uh, that I think is in current history, Nelson Mandela. And if we can think about Nelson Mandela, then, of course, some Canaanites on a Sunday morning. Let's get that into our repertoire. And then we'll talk about a Buddhist belief and some Sanskrit of Suka and dukkha, because why not? And if we can do that, then we'll talk about appeared. And if we can do that, then we'll stop everything. And the crowds went wild. Thank you. Thank you, crowds. There's actually nobody here, so nobody to go wild, which is really fun. I want to think about a vision for our lives, and I want to think about the clarity that we have for who we are and actually where we're going. And to do that, we're going to look in the book of Genesis. So if you have an old school Bible or a phone, or if you just want to follow along with me, turn to Genesis 12, verse 4. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. If you remember in the story that Abraham and Sarai and Lot and their family had moved from Babylon in Ur, and they were moving over to move towards Israel, uh, or what is modern-day Palestine and Israel. Now, part of the story that's fascinating here is, again, that there's layers to the biblical narrative that are taking place. That there's a story about Abraham and Sarah and Lot and these early patriarchs and matriarchs of the scriptures and of the Judeo-Christian faith but that's not the only story that's going on. That again, this story was probably actually written down many, many years later, if not centuries, if not a thousand years later, about when this actually would have taken place in a time called the Babylonian captivity, everybody's favorite time in history, I know. The power of the Babylonian captivity is that it was a time in the life of Israel where they were really at rock bottom. All of the promises that they had believed about themselves, that they would be this blessing and that God would bless them and that they were to bless the rest of the world, they weren't experiencing that in the moment because they were being held captive in a foreign land. And that's a powerful narrative. Take that seriously with me for a moment and not just literally. That we're all there sometimes in our journeys, that we have a vision for our lives that we want to live into, but we're experiencing an alternate reality outside of the vision that we want. Corporately and globally, we're all experiencing that right now. It's called COVID. We would much rather be doing other things, but it feels like we're in some type of captivity locked into our homes or relegated to Zoom calls right now, and we're not actually getting to live the vision or maybe the reality that we want for our lives. That's what's taking place in these stories in some ways, that there's multiple layers of what's going on here. There's the actual story that's talking about Abraham and Sarah, and then there's when the actual story was written down so that these people are looking back on the stories that they're writing down now to help understand and interpret their current situation. Like we would with any art, we look at art or we look at poetry or we look at stories and we make meaning out of it to help us understand our current reality and our current life. One of the things that sticks out here always is that Abraham was 75 years old, that this is a very different story for the ancient world, that this wasn't a young person, that like many of the other ancient stories, that they were like superheroes or almost like Olympic athletes who were chosen by the gods to go do great tasks. But in the stories of the scriptures, and this is what makes Judaism so very unique and the stories of Jesus compelling, is that who God uses are the frail, the immigrant. The hero of the story is an immigrant going to a foreign land. The hero of a story is people who weren't able to have children, which in the ancient world was a death sentence because you couldn't pass on your lineage. That the story of God is that God can use the lowest of the low, the most unlikely, and that God can show up in the most God-forsaken places to do great things. This is the unique component about the Jewish scriptures. So Abraham took his wife Sarai, his nephew Law, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. And they arrived there. That there was a vision that they were given to go to this land called Israel, and they actually arrived into that promised land where God was supposed to bless them and where they would be a blessing. But they arrived in the land, but it wasn't their possession yet. That's what's going on in this story. If you're the people in Babylon, this story is powerful because you're in captivity So it tells you maybe there's a day that we'll once again go west and we'll go back to a promised land and we'll arrive there, but our story won't be quite fulfilled yet. Maybe the story gets even to a bigger layer into your life where you feel like God is promising you some things or you have some own hopes and dreams for your life and you want to get there, but you're not quite there yet. Maybe this story also has something for you that you might be on the cusp of it, that you might be at that arrival point for it, but that's not the same thing. Is the fulfillment of it, and that that's okay. That's actually a part of being in the human journey, that we can be in the now and not yet all at the same time. So Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. I know, everybody's favorite tree in the Bible. And at the time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. And so Abram built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. That this is just simply a way of saying that God continues to show up and continues to remind Abram to have a clarity of what these promises are. That God is saying, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do the thing that I said. Again, that's powerful in this story. If you step back a little bit and that you're in a place of suffering, like the Israelites in Babylonian captivity, they read the story again and they'll say, Look, God keeps making promises. Even when we're at our lowest point, God can still show up. And then what does that say to us in 2021, wherever we're sitting? that God can keep appearing in our lives and keep reminding us of the things that God might actually have for us. And from there, he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued towards the Negev, which is another way of saying that Abram saw all of the land. Abram saw everything that was in front of him. So here's where I want to go with that. In the ancient story for Abraham, everything that we understand about the Hebrew Bible, there's two factors there. One is that there is a God who shows up, and this God is the one who liberates. This This God is the one who saves. This God is the one who creates relationship and covenant. And this God is the one who cares for us. And for the Israelites, they knew that was real because of the land that they possessed. It was a promised land. It was their daily reminder as they literally walked the land that God was with them. Now, for many of us living in 2021, the ownership of land and seeing land in that way is not a clear vision for our lives. But we all have a promised land, figuratively speaking. We have these grand visions for where we want to go in our lives, and we also have smaller visions about different seasons that we have about places that we want to go. And vision is all about seeing. The definition for vision goes like this. It's the faculty or state of being able to see. It's all about being able to see. The ability to think about or plan the future with imagination Or wisdom. And as you think about your life right now and a vision that you have for your life, do you have the capacity to see a vision for where you're going? Do you have an imagination for what your life might be? Or are you reacting to life and waiting for life to come at you? This story is not just an invitation for people thousands of years ago to literally go take a land. This story is for the people of God in every generation to take the story seriously and say, you have a promise. Maybe that's a relationship. Maybe that's a job. Maybe that's a project. Maybe that's the ability to raise kids. Maybe uh, there's all kinds of different visions that we have in different seasons for who we are. And do we have the imagination for what that thing might be? is the invitation that we're being given. That in the story here at the end, when it talks about all these random names of cities and locations that none of us know anything about, the power of the vision is, is that Abraham is coming into the land and he's getting a bigger scope of everything that's there. So all of those different points and locations, it's like that there was a map and the map was the vision for Abraham's life and the promised land that God was giving them. And Abraham went to the four corners of that so that he could clearly see the vision that God had for him. And wouldn't that be nice that we had that kind of clarity in our own lives, that there would literally be a physical location, something that we could go to and that we could look out with our eyes and we could say that this is a promise that I have for my life, that this is something that might be fulfilled. But as we think about those promises as we think about the vision that we want for our lives, again, whether that's relationships or jobs or careers or wealth or success, or maybe just wholeness or health, maybe it's the reality and the desire that you want to be healed from something, that would we have greater clarity about what that thing may be. And in order to do that, there's some steps that we can actually take. But as we do that, we live into this reality of now and not yet that most of when we live into a vision or imagination for our life, it's about this reality that at any moment, we can choose a vision for our life. At any moment, we can choose to be a certain kind of person. If people tell you, you're a pessimist or you're kind of a downer or those kind of things, at any moment, you can choose to be kind. That can be a vision for your life. You can choose gentleness. You can choose a completely different way or posture of being at any moment that you want to. Now in this moment. Now the not yet is, that might not be who you are yet. You gotta try those things on a little bit before you live in kindness or before you live in gentleness. It's the same thing with money. I love when I talk to people who are like, oh man, I just, I wanna have some jobs because I wanna be rich. Duh, who doesn't wanna be? But the, you have to create a vision and some clarity about how you might go do that. That's the not yet. That thing might not be here, but what are steps that you could do today that sets you up for your vision for tomorrow? And that's what we're being invited into in this story, is that you live into both, now, there's always a past in our stories, and you should go take care of the past. We advocate that at New Abbey all of the time. Find therapy. Go do the hard work. Know your story. Know all the things that are going on. But there's not, and there's not enough therapy in the world that will bring you into your vision for your reality and your future now. That is to help you with your past. That's to help you sort out these things over there. Organize that stuff do the work around all of that stuff. I've got tons of baggage from my past and every day I can make a choice. I can go back to all of that baggage which is now neatly organized. I spent tens of thousands of dollars of organizing with a therapist and I know what's in those boxes and I can always blame what's going on there. Well, my mom did this or my dad did this and these things happened to me and I was abused as a kid, which were all real things. And I don't dismiss that or take that lightly because real shit happens to us as human beings. But at some point, At some point, I have to choose a vision for my life now, regardless of those things. I have to have a clarity of vision for my life now and for my future. Those things may have shaped me, and I should work on them, and I should find healing now, but I can make a different choice for who I want to be and how I want to be today, and there's nothing in my past that can prevent that. I can just choose that. And this is not, again, just some self-help or receive it or believe it. That's an actual thing that we have the capacity to do as human beings, that we do that when we have a greater clarity for the vision that we want for what we're going to do and who we want to be. For me, there was a moment in my life where I was the pastor of a church that was growing where thousands of people were there, and they were dreaming and, and create, or they were creating space for me to take over this thing. But what I realized in that space was it was a good place. It was a good church. Thousands of people were showing up. But everyone that I knew didn't go to church anymore. All of my friends no longer wanted to participate in church. All of my friends, it wasn't just about church. They wanted to participate in their faith. And so a vision, a promised land that I wanted would be, could there be a space that we could create? I could just shit on all of those churches all that I want. I could just constantly, you know, make fun of or pick on the evangelical church and the megachurch for all the things that I'm not doing, that the past would just be riddled with that. Or I could live into Gandhi's advice and I could be the change that I wanted to see in the world. If I wanted to see a different kind of church, I could critique all of these churches until I'm blue in the face, or I could just go create that thing. And it was incredibly hard work. And it still is incredibly hard work because we're not there yet. We're always in the now. That every day that somebody new comes to New Abbey and I see celebration happen, when I see people who realize that they don't have to live into shame, that they don't have to live into guilt, that they can be whoever they are and that God can still love them and their lives can be transformed. Every day that that happens, we live more and more into the reality of that promised land, more and more into the clarity of that vision, but we're not there yet. That every person who comes on the journey, together we're telling a bigger story about who God is and what God may be. The other day, we were having a conversation with my kids, and my kids said to my wife, Mom, there's a new president. Would you ever want to be president? And Krista looked at them and said, Well, no, that's a crazy job. Uh, but also, uh, my job, the thing that I love doing in the world that I think about every day is being your mom. What a powerful vision to live into. What a powerful clarity that my wife has about what she wants to do in this world. And for me, I have all these little realities every day about the way that she's living into that. She takes seriously the exploration of the journey of that vision for her life. That I find it fascinating that we live in 2021, so we have endless access to information if we want it. If you're about to be a parent, if you're about to get into a relationship, if you want to start investing money, there's literally thousands of books, thousands of podcasts, thousands of YouTube videos that you could choose to look into every single day you could begin to take in that information and then begin to see more clearly the vision that you want for your life. So the problem with people at times is that it feels too big. This idea of a promised land or a vision for your life feels too big. And because it feels so big, we do nothing because we're scared of failure. But what if it doesn't have to be that? What if a vision for your life, whatever that thing is that you want to do, if a vision for my life is I just simply want to be a better husband today, that's one of the visions that I want for who I am, could I just take the tiniest step possible today to go do that? Could I read just five pages in a book about relationships to go do that? Could I just have one conversation with a therapist to go do that? Could I just have one small six-minute phone call with a friend to go do that? And as we do that, we create greater clarity for who we are and for where we're going. So whatever your promised land is, whatever the vision is for your life, you don't have to accomplish it all today. It's not yet here, but what are the tiny steps, the now that you can do to go live into that dream? Because this is your only life. You don't get another one. Why not take a tiny step today, instead of no step at all, towards the vision of the promise that you want for your life? What a gift that you get to choose that, and that you get to live into that clarity in a different way. So if we can understand clarity of vision well, another powerful thing that happens in the story with Abraham, when it talks about that Abraham was 75 years old, which I see it this way, it's not too late. You might be thinking to yourself, well, it's just too late for me. I don't have the skills for that. I'm not built for that. That's made for other people. These are the narratives that I have about my own life. I'm sure Abraham had all of these beliefs as well. When you have a moment where God shows up, like how much weed were you smoking, man, right? And says, man, move all your family across the world. I swear, I'll give you kids. You're 75. Okay, God, this is amazing. Yeah. But the power of the story, and this is the power where the story has layers to it, is for the Abraham story, it's not too late. If that's the job you want, if these are the relationships you have, if there's the kind of person that you want to be, it's not too late. You can choose that now, regardless of everything that has happened in your past. Today can be a different day where you can take a tiny step towards that. As the story gets bigger for the people of Israel, as they're sitting in Babylon, imagine that they've lost everything that God has promised them. But even there in that moment at their rock bottom, and I'm somebody who's been through addiction programs, and I know many of you have dealt with addiction, and you know what rock bottom is. You know when you've had nothing else left. I know a moment in my life in 2008 where I thought my marriage was falling apart, where I had filed for bankruptcy, and my sister had died in a period of three months, and I thought I had nothing else going for me I was never going to get to be able to be a pastor because I had cheated on my wife all of the visions that I had for my life were now gone but they weren't and it's not too late and I had a choice in that moment of I can either believe all of that and believe that this is too much for a 23 year old to handle or I can believe now is the time that I just take one tiny step forward into a future that I believe in and that's true of everybody and we've said this a lot over the last few weeks. How do you know that that promise is true? Because you're breathing and living right now. You've made it this far. And if you can make it this far, then it's not too late for you to choose a good vision for your life to actually live into because it's your life. Why would you not go want to live into a vision that you actually want for it? Nelson Mandela, in February 11th, 1990, came out of Robbins Island for the first time. That the apartheid regime in South Africa had done a really good job of not showing any pictures of Nelson Mandela for 27 years. That Nelson Mandela pictured here when he was younger, this was his face. He was smiling. He was the leader of uh, the the movement that was going to overthrow apartheid. And then in 1963, he was locked up and sentenced to really solitary confinement for almost 27 years. And the next picture we have for you is when he's released on February 11th, 1990. And this picture was showcased around the world as he stands here with a fist in the air with his wife. And this was one of the most powerful moments for the South African people in ending apartheid for this reason, is that there was almost a mysticism that was built around Nelson Mandela. There was rumors. There was almost a mythology to who he was because there was no pictures that were shown that all people had were images and a vision of who Nelson Mandela used to be. There was these beliefs at that time of how will we ever escape apartheid, that this apartheid oppressive regime has captured our leader, and we don't even get to see who he is or even know if he's alive. And now in this moment, a thinned out, gray haired, wise Mandela comes and says to South Africa, we have waited too long were his words. That we're not there yet, but the now has never ended. That for 27 years, as he was on Robbins Island, Nelson Mandela still believed in a free apartheid. Nelson Mandela didn't allow the stories of the past or the baggage or the people that told him this would never be a reality to stop him. He just kept putting one foot in front of the other in an oppressive prison system until the day that he gets to come out and he gets to offer this speech as a man who is now seen for the people. And he provides a new vision for South Africa, one in which there would be reconciliation and there would be peace. And in that moment, it provided a vision of clarity and change of a promise that he'd been working on for 27 years. And the not yet for Nelson Mandela's life in that moment was until 1994, he would become the president of South Africa. That they would have never imagined that in the years that he spent away in prison, that this man would ever be freed. That the political pressures of the rest of the world would finally force the apartheid government in South Africa to release their control of a, of a disgustingly oppressive system that this man who was in prison would one day be the first black president of this country. How powerful is that vision, that it's never too late, and that if you have a clarity of the vision for your life, maybe it all can't be achieved today, but one step at a time, under the greatest conditions and forces that you may see, you could still achieve that vision. Why wouldn't we want to live into that reality? In the story, it's not only about that it's not too late that Abraham was 75 years old, but Abraham went and lived and believed into it. But the story also just mentions this one little line, and the Canaanites were in the land. That's all that it says. It doesn't say the Canaanites were in the land, so go defeat them. The Canaanites were in the land, they're going to mess with you. In the ancient world, the Canaanites, like the Philistines and these other groups that are mentioned in the Bible, they were kind of the protagonists. These are the people that might lead you astray. These are the people who may have different beliefs than you. These are the people who may harm your vision or your narrative. But in this story right here, it just says that they're there. And that we need some reality checks when we have the visions for our life. As much as I just want you to, like, say it out loud, this is the vision for my life, and poof, you won the Powerball. How good would that be, my friends? That's not how the world works. That when you have a vision for your life, there will be some bumps in the road. That's why it says, and the Canaanites were in the land. You may have a vision, but of course there's going to be potholes in the road ahead. That's a part of any great vision. If your vision doesn't have roadblocks, you don't have a big enough vision for your life. If you have roadblocks, that's an opportunity for you to grow. And the story that's offered here early in the scriptures is of, of course the Canaanites are in the land. Of course there's going to be bumps. There's this Buddhist idea of sukka and dukkha. A sukha definition is this, or dukkha is stress, anxiety, suffering, or dissatisfaction the stress and anxiety that arise from the attempt to control what is fundamentally impermanent and unable to be controlled. And then we have this other definition of dukkha and sukha, and it says dukkha just means a bumpy ride, and sukha means a smooth ride. So in Buddhist thinking, this idea of dukkha and sukha comes from an idea of an oxen cart with an axle, and the axle is your consciousness going down the road of life. And in any road... There will be bumps. None of us are crazy enough to believe that when we get on a freeway in Southern California, that there's not going to be troubles ahead. If you do, you're not living in reality. That you know that when you're on the road, there might be potholes. There will probably be other crazy drivers. There will be traffic. But maybe one day you have a choice to realize it's all about my perception of the road. Are the bumps going to be a difficulty that prevent me from getting on the road? Or are they part of the reality of getting towards the vision and the goal of where I want to get anyways? And you have a choice to either see it as a bumpy road or to say, yeah, there's bumps in the road. There's also smooth parts of the road. You're right, there is traffic right now, but I am also the traffic. Are you able to see, oh, I'm really delayed? That was some deep stuff. Work with that one a little bit. That's a little nugget for your life. You're welcome. Is there also opportunities to realize, oh my gosh, there's an accident. I can't go anywhere. What an opportunity to listen to that audiobook that I've been needing to listen to. Oh, I'm stuck in traffic right now. What an opportunity for me to look at the vision of my life and say, maybe there are other people who are going to the same destination that I'm going to and that they are also stuck in traffic. And now what an opportunity we will have once we arrive there to empathize with one another about the stress of feeling late to something. That there are all kinds of different ways of looking at it. That it's all about the choice that we have in our mind. Some people see rain and the choice that they have in their mind is, it's gonna be a bad day. It's raining again. It's cold. We have inclement weather in California. It dropped 10 degrees below 72. How can I deal with this? Or there's rain. We have fires. It's going to have a little bit of green in Southern California. We all interpret the same thing in many different ways, but it's a choice. Do we interpret the bumpy road ahead? as a problem, or do we interpret the bumpy road ahead as an opportunity to teach us on our way to the vision that we're getting to? So if we can have a clarity of vision for our lives, if we know the promised land that we actually want to live into, then would we realize that it's never too late and that there's always steps that we can take to get towards it? Would we realize that there will always be bumps in the road? And if we know that now as we set out for our journey, maybe you'll give us a clearer perspective when we actually encounter those bumps. And here's my favorite part of the story that we read. And God appeared. God appeared. God just shows up. And what I love about this is this is not just humanism that we're talking about. I want you to be a healthier human being. But at the end of the day, we're still a faith community that 99.9% of all human beings who have ever lived have been people of spirituality or faith. That's just the way that it works. Even today, statistically, there are not more people becoming atheists. There are just more people becoming spiritual. They might not believe in a certain kind of religion or a certain type of tradition, and that's totally okay with me, but would you know this, that in spirituality, there's a longing, there's an imagination that every human being has, that if I'm really going to live into this bigger vision, that's something that we all desire and long for, is that God would just show up. How many of us have said those kind of prayers? And then what we learn along the journey is that God just doesn't show up, but God's been there the entire time. I think about all the moments that God's shown up in my life. Maybe it's half the reason why I became a pastor. I remember being a seven-year-old in Phoenix and I'm riding along this fence line and it's the summer and I'm riding on my orange Huffy and I had one of the clearest visions that I can still remember to this day where I felt like the divine was talking to me in my bowl cut as it was blowing in the wind. What What a vision. And that little boy just knew in that moment that I felt like I audibly heard God saying, I love you. And it's something that I've held with me my entire life. I remember a moment of being 17 years old and sitting in my basement in Colorado and reading through the scriptures when I felt like, Corey, I'm calling you into ministry. I remember a moment where God appeared where I wasn't sure, should I marry Carissa or I shouldn't marry Carissa? And I felt like I had a beautiful moment where God puts out two hands and he says, if you do, your life will be incredible with it. And if you don't, your life will be incredible and you should go forward with it. That God appeared to give me choice in some way. I remember a moment in my life when my marriage was falling apart and we sat on a corner in Glendora and I thought that we had nothing left because of the decisions that I made. And I looked into my wife's face and there God appeared as I experienced grace in a different way. I remember the moment that I sat next to my sister's bed as tubes were down her throat, that she'd been a cocaine addict for 10 years, that she was dying in that moment, that these were her final moments of consciousness and breath. And I asked everyone to get out, and I cried by her bedside, and I said, I'm just so sorry for all of the years that I hated you. And then as I breathed, as I paused, as I looked into her face that was dying, that I knew that God was there. I know the moment that I realized that I wanted to start a community like New Abbey because I wanted everybody to have an opportunity to experience God if they wanted to, that there should never be limitations on people's opportunity to experience the divine. And in each of those moments, what they taught me is that God just doesn't appear in those moments. But when I'm quiet, when I look at the clear vision, I keep taking steps forward. The divine has been there the entire time. And in the story that we see of Abraham, it always says, then he built an altar here and he built an altar there. Would you know this new abbey, whatever the vision is for your life, would you know that it's not too late? Would you know that there'll be bumps in the road? And would you always trust that God will be with you in your journey? And would you know this, that everything you need is always right in front of you? That's the story of Abraham. That's why he looks out over this promised land, that everything he needs for his future, that everything that Sarah needs for her future, that everything that the promised people of God need to receive blessing and be a blessing is right there in front of them. You are not missing anything, that at any moment you can pause, you can be patient, you can take in this holy moment and say, I have what I need for the vision ahead. At any moment, we can choose that. In this moment, you can choose that. Tomorrow in traffic, you can choose for that to be a moment to say, I have everything that I need. Maybe this too could be a holy moment to remind me of the vision and the promises that God has not only for me, but for the entire world. And may I remind you of that, that Abraham and Sarah walked through the promised land because the vision for them was, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing to the rest of the world, that I want to transform you so that you will help transform others. That I want to heal you so that you will heal others. I want you to live into your vision so that other human beings will live into their vision as well. Would you jump back into your groups and answer this question with one another? What's one tiny step you can take towards your vision today and each day this week? Enjoy.